Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawbeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the fourth day of the week in God's created order. Tuesday. Oh, actually, no, it's Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, third day of January, 2023, 24th year of our Lord. Let me get it right. And this is worship. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Hey, we're going to get this year right yet. Yet. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. We'll, we'll, we'll get it right yet. But let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning to fellowship in your word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that God the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and continue to teach us these truths. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that, um, if there is someone out there that's listening in and uh, maybe on a recording or maybe even live that that is without without hope, without life, without eternal life, that maybe um, in this passage, Heavenly Father, that that their hearts will will be opened, uh, that their eyes of their hearts will be opened to the gospel message. We pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. And this is another fine day in the Lord as we. Come together and fellowship in His Word. So let's see. Our we are finishing up this morning. Our Lord willing, Spirit guide um, Matthew chapter twenty-two, and um, we are in thirteen fourteen. Then the king said to the servants, "Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called and a few are chosen." And um I often like to like to say it like this when the grace train pulls out the judgment train pulls in we do live in a time where evil is allowed to have its say and that um and that there is the authority issue throughout our very realm everything that the lord had set up from the very beginning um, where there is even the authority structure within the garden, it has been reversed. But the Lord is actively bringing about. And time and the grace attribute of, or the grace commodity of time, um, the, uh, time is the commodity. And it's running out. And I was reading George's, uh, uh, George's uh, devotional yesterday and he speaks of time and how we use our time and you can use your time and you squander it away when you're walking in darkness as a believer or a, 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 one who is wicked un, unrighteous you're squandering that time you're squandering that opportunity because what time does is it gives the unbeliever the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond to it and come into the light for the believer, it gives them the opportunity of, of repentance when they're walking in darkness. It gives them time to grow in, in the spiritual life. But when the grace, grace and mercy are not, are not God's attributes. They're what God chooses to do. They are His, um, divine prerogatives. But there's coming a time when grace and mercy will will cease to be 
And when the grace train pulls out, the judgment train pulls in right behind it. And so we look at we we've been looking at the parable of the um, wedding feast, and whereas the king is is sends out invitations for those that are going to to be in this wedding feast for his son, and where it was ignored the first time, rejected with the killing of the servants of the second time, and then. Um, and then the servants went out to the highways and byways, uh, out into the Gentile nations to invite them in, um, to the wedding feast. And when the fe- wedding finally came, and this is what Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. That, uh, when the wedding feast came and the king came in, and he's looking over the, the guests, and he sees one not appropriately, with the appropriate attire. Then we come to the point of the separation. He's going to be removed. You see, as we finished off yesterday, this one is not compatible with that environment. And in the timeline of history as, as I understand it to be, this is not the final judgment. This is not the end of the thousand years. You see, you have, um, in the timeline, you have the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. And that's going to be for a thousand years going into eternity after the destruction of the heavens and the earth. Um, by the end of the millennial, there is the um, the destruction. There is the emptying out of Hades. And there is going to be the um, the great white throne judgment where the um, where all unbelievers uh, Hades emptied out. We'll talk about the Hades in a moment. But that's going to be emptied out and there's going to be the judgment at the end of that thousand years. And this is not that final judgment to be taken out, this man taken out of the wedding feast and, and, and be put into a place of darkness and the gnashing of teeth. That is all, that's, that's Hades. That's going to be the holding chamber. So let's look, look, look a little bit more at this. So in Matthew, this is comparable to Matthew 7, 23. The pleading of the unbeliever that says, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not um, did these miracles and all these things? And the Lord says, get away from me. I never knew you. It's comparable to the separation of the wheat and tares. We mentioned that yesterday where the wheat, uh, the tares look like wheat. They grow up alongside the wheat, but they are not wheat. And at the harvest time, they're going to be gathered up, they're going to be bound, and they're going to be burned. It's also comparable to the sheep and goat judgment, the Gentile judgment of Matthew 25, 31-46, where the sheep are at the right hand and the goats are on the left, the believers and the unbelievers from the Gentile nations. So, the judgment will introduce the Messiah's reign and this will begin at the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, when Jesus comes back with his bride. And when we're looking at the when we're looking at the uh, the feast, you have the you have the bride you have the bridegroom, you have the bride, you have the wedding guests, and the invitation had gone out to Gentile nations. All are present at the wedding feast, and um, and how. 
How did and they and the fact is they responded to the invitation, and that's whether we're talking about the um, thousand year or we're talking about the thousand year reign, where we're talking about within the tribulation, where we're talking about the church age, or we're we're talking about the um, the the uh, the Old Testament saints. It's always been the same. In Romans ten seventeen, it says that. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And it's that gospel message, which is the power of salvation, says Paul in Romans. That, um, and it's the responding to the invitation to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So all are in position which they have been elected to be. But there was this one odd man out that was wearing the wrong clothes. And he did not have the righteousness and uh, he didn't have the righteousness. The king spotted it off right away. This man, this man looked like the others. They, he, he said all the right things. He did all the right things. He, uh, in our vernacular day, he had all the right church talk. He, that he looked good, prim and proper and everything. But the king immediately said, because the king is judging by his standard, not what everybody else thinks. You know, we often see people and we'll, we'll make our judgment call. That must be a believer. That must be an unbeliever on the basis of their behavior. Uh-uh. It's going to be on the basis of the righteousness, of God's own righteousness. He is the discerner. He's the very one back in Genesis chapter 1 who saw all that he did was very good. And so when he's looking over it, does he see his own righteousness being reflected back to him? And everyone who believes or trusts in him uh, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, they have eternal life. And this is the message that Jesus, whether these guys, whether these chief priests are realizing or not, they did realize in the previous verses that he's talking to them. He's talking to them. You guys look so prim and proper. You've got, you guys got all your T's crossed, all your I's dotted. But just like this man, you do not have the righteousness that you need. And remember what Jesus said that lest your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, um, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And that's exactly what he said to Nicodemus in John 3.3. And John 3.3, he says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Um. So you can have, once again, you can have all your, all your religiosity all in place. You can have, you can be pious. Nicodemus was very pious. He was very upright, probably. Many of these other Pharisees were, but here is the warning. And this is what Paul, I'm sure this is what Paul is speaking of in Philippians chapter two, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Am I really saved? Or am I just going through the motions? I venture to say that there are many pastors that are in the pulpit teaching the word of God Sunday after Sunday. 
They're doing, they're doing all the right things. They've got all their, again, all their religious teeth crossed, all their eyes dotted. But many of them, I'm afraid, may be unbelievers. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell who thought that they were believers and they were not. This is the part of working out our salvation. Not that we're going to hustle for Jesus to be saved and do all these works. No, it is. I say it's going over to math to make sure. Are you sure that you are salvation? Why are you saved? If, if you're telling me you're going to heaven, on what basis are you? It does. It doesn't satisfy me when somebody says that they're good to go, that they're they're going to be in heaven. Why? On what basis? And um. So there is a compatibility issue. Darkness, uh, light and darkness are not in agreement. Um, in the very beginning, it was the Lord who, who separate the light from the darkness. He said the light was good. But notice going back into Genesis, he doesn't, he doesn't say that the darkness is good. He says the light is good. Um, so now there is a place where the unbeliever is compatible. There is a place where the unbeliever and, and a and where an environment that he's compatible with. And the wheat lived among the tares and the goats among the sheep, the lost among the living, all in time are enjoying their freedom. Say that again. The the lost are enjoying this lost world. There are those that, there are the evil that's sitting in on, in places of power, in our government. And they're enjoying life as it is. So, and, and if you watch the news, we know that there's evil politicians. There are those that are now looking to, they are, there are, um, in this world, they're they're trying to find their place in the one world system. That's that's why we have government leaders selling out our um, selling out our nations because they're looking to have a position in this one world rulership. They are, in a sense, these people have given up their integrity and they're casting their lots in with the Antichrist. Um, there are. Um, there are antichrists within this world still and they are looking at allying with the with the leaders of this world and it's all coming down to one regime and that's the antichrist regime and so how are they executing their freedom they want to be the top dogs in this in in this world system but that time is running out the goats are with the sheep they haven't been separated yet the wheat and the tares are, have not been separated yet. The lost and the living have not been yet separated. And, um, and so, we're, so there are those that are buying stake in this world. And Peter says, uh, be holy. For God is holy. And Peter goes on to say that this world is going to melt away in all of its works. What then? How then shall we be holy unto God? So, there are those that bow a knee to this dark ruler. 
They themselves sought to exercise their own witness and thumb their noses at God. Herod, um, where it is that the Lord says that for Jacob and Esau, that Jacob would rule on that Jacob or that Esau would uh, would serve his brother, the younger, Jacob. And then here you got the time of Christ. Here is Herod, an Edomite, and descendant of Esau, not Jacob. Um, that's going to be reversed. So there's coming a time, and it seems like this world is upside down. And John... 1 John 2.18 Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is his last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they were had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that they would be shown that they all are not of us. So the day of reckoning is coming. And isn't it interesting here that, uh, that here it is that this, this one, I never really caught it before until this, but, um, going back to our passage, the king says to bind him, uh, to take this one and before he's cast into a place of darkness in the national teeth, which would be bad enough, he says, bind him. There's no more freedom. He, There is no freedom to exercise any type of volitional um, movement within the place of darkness in national teeth. And at this point, it's it's Hades. Um, and so, and Matthew... And Matthew thirteen thirty, they were both. The, oh, let me see. Don't want to go there. Yeah, let's just. Yeah, let's go to thirteen thirty. Talking about the wheat and the tares, allow both to grow together until the harvest, and in time of the harvest, they will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them." in the bundles, to burn them up, but gather the wheat into the barn. Psalm 37, 1. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward evildoers, for they will wither away quickly like grass and fade like the green herb. And jumping down to verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patient for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evildoer. For evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they will inherit the land. The clock is ticking. The unbeliever is going to be cast into, again, he's going to be bound. All of his freedom is going to be taken away. There's not going to be a freedom of movement. Let's, um, and I keep mentioning this. Let's go, let's, let's see. Yeah. In Hades. And once again, when cast, is bound and cast, 
and and this is the judgment at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ when he comes back the great and terrible day of the Lord the millennial reign that thousand years will begin with all believers there is going to be those at the end of that end of the tribulation that's going they're the ones that's going to be bound that's going to be cast but again not into the lake of fire that's going to be at the end of the um, thousand year reign of of Christ that's going to be the um, the great white throne judgment when Hades is going to give up its dead actually it's not going to be in it it's actually going to be at after the destruction of the heavens and the earth let's show you that in a second so the clock is ticking so in this you have a compartment you have several compartments here you have Tartarus um, and we find Tartarus in, um, let's see if I'll find the passage on that one. Second Peter 2 4. And, um, Tartarus is where the wicked angels, these are the angels that left their first estate, those that, um, cohabitated with human women. They are the ones that's going to be cast into Tartarus. That's their prison. Okay. Also in Peter, we find that um, Jesus, when he, when his soul went to uh, went to Hades, they, he preached to the angels or proclaimed to the angels in Tartarus uh, uh, a victorious proclamation. There is paradise, and paradise is now empty after the uh, paradise was the compartment by which Old Testament saints went prior to the. Um, Prior to the cross, prior to the uh, work of Jesus Christ on the cross, is also a place where the thief on the cross says, that Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And today that compartment is empty. On the other side there is a gulf between here, and over here there is the place of torments. And torments is where the unbelievers, waiting for judgment, See, this is not their judgment. That Hades is not their judgment. This is like a, um, let's just say county lockup. You've been, you've been accused. You've been read your Amanda rights. And now, um, you're waiting for the trial. The trial, the judgment had not yet taken place. And you are sentenced to this place called torments. And Gen- it's in Luke 16. That um, he speaks of Lazarus and the rich man. Whereas Lazarus went to um, where the two died. Lazarus went to paradise, the, the poor man. And the rich man went to torments. Now, what's interesting is a parable does not cite names, uh, names of people or places. Uh, a parable is always a certain man or this man or this woman or um, whatever the parable is. It doesn't mention proper name. But here, when you look at Luke of the uh, story of or the par- of the historic, I'll call it an account of Lazarus and the rich man. Hey, Lazarus got a name. So here is a actual event. That here it is that the rich man was calling out from torments across the gulfs into 
calling for uh, Abraham to uh, to send his servant and put a drop of just to put a drop of uh, water on his tongue to ease his pain. And um, when that was denied, he said, "Please go to tell my brothers that this place exists." He said, "No, can't do that either." So this place is still being populated by those who die without receiving um, their uh, receiving salvation. And then this is at the end of or at the conclusion of human history. This is going to be emptied out and they're going to have their final judgment. And with that, let's look at let's go to Revelation 20, Revelation 20, 11. Um, let me back up just a little bit to set us up. When the thousand years were completed, this is verse 20, uh, or Revelation 20, verse 7. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain on the earth and surrounded camp on the, of, of the saints. And the beloved city and the fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and the brimstone were beat uh, and, and fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were also. And they will be tormented day and night forever. Then I saw a great white throne of him who sat upon it and whose presence earth and heaven fled away. Now look at that. The presence of earth and heaven fled away. So this is after the destruction of and the new heavens and the earth. Um, or or after the destruction of the earth. Um, and I saw the dead and the great and small standing before the throne, and books were opened, and and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up their dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up their dead which were in it, and they were judged, every one according to their deeds. Then the death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he is thrown into uh, the lake of fire. So um, this is the final judgment. So coming to the end, uh, the point is coming to the end of uh, at the great and terrible day of the Lord as the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords sets up his administration at the beginning of the um, his thousand year reign. There are going to be the, his reign will begin with all believers, and the the dead will be sent to Hades. They will be sent to the place called torments, and they're going to be there as the demons are in the abyss. There's going to be the population of those in torments waiting for their final trial, which is the um, which is the great white throne judgment. And then, um, so. Coming back to Matthew twenty two fourteen, for many are called, but few are chosen. We live in a time 
where there is a opportunity to hear the salvation message. That invitation. Uh, we live in, and whether we are living in the time of the Gentiles or whether we're living in the church age, it's all, it is, a faith comes through hearing and hearing the message of Christ. Christ's message for salvation. And everyone is always, with, regardless of what era we're talking about, it's always a faith and it's always a faith response to what God has done. And it's to the many. Um, going back to our, our um, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. This is his first advent. But that the world, not just some, not just many, but the world might be saved through him. The door of opportunity. And many are called. The multitudes are called. And he who believes in him is, is not judged. But he who does not believe has not been judged already because he has not believed the name of the only begotten Son. This is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were at evil. And for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes into the light, so that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought by God. So we we have that opportunity now. And the there's the great trade-off at the cross. And the great trade-off is that Jesus Christ took our sins in his own body. And in trade, he be, uh, we become the righteousness in him. Through faith, he took our sin and we receive his very own righteousness that becomes our clothing. And so we can be in this era and through our faith, we are being called to be son, we are being called to be the bride of Christ. And the other eras, they are the sons of God. They are being saved and, um, they are being saved and uh, the many are called, but few are chosen. The choice We have a choice to make, to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life and um, to receive his righteousness. And and so many are called. They hear the gospel message. But who are those who are chosen? Those who are chosen to go into the the, um, millennial reign and into eternity. Those who are chosen are those who made that decision. They heard the gospel message. They responded in faith by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to teach your word, to know your word. Continue to sanctify our hearts and soul in, in understanding the things that are being taught. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Lord willing. Spirit guide. 
Wrap your penny. We'll be back here in the AM. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.